Hello and welcome to the Wolf Den Podcast, your home for competitive Digimon TCG discussion and news. I'm your host, Nako, joined by my co-host, Zenitsu. This week, we will be discussing the effect of unique promo cards on the competitive Digimon environment. We are now available on all podcasting networks, including, but not limited to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Find us at Wolf Den Digimon TCG. On top of that, uh, I also stream over on twitch.tv slash Zenitsu, and uh, also in video form for your viewing pleasure. I also upload this to YouTube under the channel name of Zenitsu. So this week, we will be talking about the promo cards and how they affect the competitive environment. I know many people have quite a lot to say on this topic, and it's been recommended to us quite a few times on just how a competitive environment can exist when cards are artificially scarce or are artificially inflated in value due to that scarcity. And the easiest example right now with how the BT9 meta is currently playing out is with the Wergurumon promos. So there are two promos in that deck that are very basically needed in order to make the deck function as is. And that's going to be the promo Garurumon uh, that was released as a box topper in Special Booster 1.0 paired up with the promo Garurumon. And those two cards just literally make the deck function as a whole um, and make it way more powerful than if you, you know, didn't have those promos. Yeah. And so, coming from other card games, this was the most shocking part about competitive Digimon to me, was that these cards are allowed to exist mechanically unique in their form from a source outside of a box or a booster pack or, you know, like, there's always been alternate arts or special printings of cards from exterior sources, tournament winnings and stuff like that but to you know for some of these cards uh especially the early run of tournament promo cards um if you were a black or purple player in the 1.0 1.5 bt4 era you kind of know what i'm talking about and how there were mechanically unique cards somewhat almost mandatory to their decks that they were played in that were only obtained as tournament promos in event packs. The earliest example, yeah, is probably with Diaboramon, uh, just because the Diaboramon promo actually still kind of is a little bit on the harder to get side. Uh, they keep reprinting it, but like the reprint has been helping, but it's still one of the more expensive, if not the most expensive piece to that deck, if you're going to be running him, just because he helps uh, the deck actually have some solid damage. He's black, where Dia where all of the other Diabormons are white, so he fits a little bit better with the deck's overall synergy because he's black. Um, and that's just an early example. Uh, they are going to be, like, he got reprinted in the Digifest, um, like, yeah. the Digifest thing, but not that many people went to Digifest. It wasn't something like their online events where it's just like, oh, here is 500 people entered in this thing. No, it it was a little bit more 
uh, exclusive than that because it was their first in-person event. Uh, and they haven't had like another redistribution of the card. He is getting another reprint as like part of, I don't even remember if it was a box topper or just like in a, a promo inclusion in like a supplementary product, but he is getting another one. Uh, but sometimes these printings and reprintings don't necessarily do anything because it's still harder to get the card. Um, look at Greymon, which isn't a promo, uh, but the starter deck Greymon, uh, that's a very needed in-demand card for a lot of red decks and especially Greymon decks. And unfortunately, the reprint that we wanted, we're not getting to the quantity that he needs to be in because they decided to cut out starter deck 11, which was mostly reprints. It had one new exclusive unique promo card, came in a little box in Japan, and had some really good high-value reprints in it. And now they gutted that and are just throwing it in as a box topper. And in a case setting, you won't even open up one of each of the cards because there's just too many different box toppers that you could pull from. So the reprint is appreciated, but it's not doing us any good. Yeah, the the Greymon starter deck version is a pretty good example because it's basically been an auto-include in any red deck that didn't have a fully fleshed out uh, multiple level fours that they needed to run. And it is it is just that good. It, it It's right on rate. Sec plus one at a low level is hard to come by. And it being mechanically unique in that way just made it expensive. I remember when the original starter decks came out and between that Gaia Force, there was just, you had to buy two starter decks when you had the ability to buy two starter decks solely for the reason for grabbing those copies and securing four copies of a potential staple for the foreseeable future. And this isn't just limited to just uh, blue, black, and red. Like, each of the colors has their own, like, not necessarily staple, but cemented promo that they need for a deck in order to function. Like Grand Kawagamon, the promo version, Grandis would not be the deck and would not see the level of success that it does have if it didn't have that promo. And that promo was literally printed once as a box topper uh, handout, not even part of the actual box, um, I believe. It was a, it was a handout. Yeah. yeah, it was a dash pack promo. Um for bt4 um so that was his only i think that was his only printing yeah um so far and the cards granted when the set first came out they weren't that expensive because they were in circulation but now that more people are coming into the game those types of cards are slowly going away and uh it's becoming harder and harder to get copies of those cards as we've seen with some of these earlier promos that are in demand like uh, the second of all force deck or a Vidramon based deck, it's uh, good. Um, tai Chi V Tamer is a card that's suspect to absolutely spike in price just because of how hard that card is to get because of the box topper and the box that it was in, but because it also doesn't have any reprints, it doesn't have any way for other players to be able to get the card, which is what causes these crazy spikes in price. Um, and there's just a whole bunch of examples of this, and this isn't exclusively 
a Digimon problem. This is a Bandai problem. Bandai does this with all of their card games. They've been doing it with Dragon Ball, where they have like a slew of different packs. They have tournament packs. They have packs that come in starter decks. The same thing we've been seeing with Digimon. They do also in Dragon Ball. And uh, if anyone's wondering if this is going to happen in One Piece, I can assure you it's going to happen, and it already is happening in One Piece. The demo decks have a pack of like five original unique cards to them. Uh, I don't know if those are going to be played at all. I don't. I'm not currently playing the One Piece card game, but again, it just highlights that it's a Bandai problem that they just love doing promos and putting them in places that are hard to get to, so that way it entices a higher amount or a higher volume of sales. Yeah, uh, Zenitsu and I talked about it before we started recording, but basically the the token story I have for Magic's inclusion in this promo problem. And I feel like where they learned their greatest lesson was uh, that Magic used to print mechanically unique box toppers as their buy a box promo. You would go to the LGS and you would get, you know, a card in its own little plastic sleeve, just the way that you would, I guess, a dash pack. But it was a guaranteed card. It was widely you know, there was no randomness to it. You, there was no one of eight or whatever, you know, that the dash packs turn into. But it was just, you get this specific one copy of this specific card. So if you bought a case or something, you would get X amount of that card. And there would be some guarantee to it at least. But still, mechanically unique, original printings, not obtainable within the set themselves. And it was never a problem because they were so bad or commander only and it, at that point, it, it wouldn't affect their competitive environment in any way. But they made the mistake of printing Nexus of Fate as the core 2019 buy a box promo that was just meta-defining for that time period. And people couldn't get access to it because it was just a buy a box promo. You couldn't open more packs and get it you couldn't get it randomly if you went to an fnm draft or anything like that and as a result that it was one of the most expensive cards in standard at the time if like if not the most expensive card by a decent margin um and the i think the real reason that uh wizards learned their lesson with that promo was also because buy box promos at the time were exclusively foil so the only versions of that card were foil versions of that card and not unlike digimon magic's cards have traditionally curled when they're foiled over time and as a result over time <laughs> immediately like, immediately <laughs> like we've had promos at store like i've seen promos at stores just curl literally out of the packaging and i'm just like oh that's yeah. so bad I but mean, anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Well, well I mean, so I, I saw a box opening of the new collector's edition Warhammer 40k all foil commander decks, and they're curled out the package. The guy literally just held the package sideways, and they're pringled, like straight pringled, hardcore curled. But so they they still haven't solved that problem. Um, but because this is on the pro tour you can't have cards that could be uh discernible from any other card in any way shape or form magic takes its you know highest level of competition very seriously so or for it that, did it, when it had it it still does they, they brought it back after 
people like basically rioted but um they only legal version of that card at that time period on the pro tour were proxy copies so that card itself a standard meta defining card was only allowed as, as a basically a token copy of itself with the representative card it's just it's a rule of magic since they you're allowed to use um some of the crazier versions of cards you you don't even really know what the card is there's no text on it or it's in another language or it's in a made-up language it's phyrexian but if you just you need a reference copy of the card so they would have the reference copy next to them on the table and then they would have to play a token copy of the card in their deck throughout the entirety of its tenure in standard before it was banned and it's just huge you know egg on wizard's face that every tournament anyone ever watched included token copies of a card because the only legal versions of it were all pringled yeah like digimon does its promos uh i don't want to say like pretty formulaic because they've basically just copied the dragon ball method uh usually there'll be uh box toppers dash packs tournament packs um store event packs um the one time I actually really liked when they did promos was uh, their campaign rares, where they actually were a card that they put into the set and you could pull it. Granted, that kind of made the distribution on their rares a little bit weird because it ate up a rare slot. Um, but I thought that was definitely a really interesting way. Or like um, the All Force Zero stuff, like it was a box topper. It was the only box topper. So every single box has a copy of that card. And if X amount of people open it up, then it's just going to be in mass circulation, even like with in quotation marks and buyouts and everything, like there's still so much of that card um, floating around um, that like it, they there's ways to mitigate having bad promo distribution compared to good promo distribution. If you're going to have these types of cards in the game. Um, we've seen like right now the ghost games promos uh, their price is kind of pretty up there compared to a lot of other digimon cards and that's because it's a promo they're good to a degree and they're hard to get and that's part of the problem is like some of the only cards i don't have a full play set of are the promos that are harder to get i think the the largest problem lies in that they are not only mechanically unique usually to a fault um just um, um, i have the full list of promos available here and just going through them it, it's crazy how so many different pop up over time how um promo aguni and lobo were they're they're promos but they were they they created archetypes those archetypes do not exist in the same capacity that they do without these cards without the ability to warp digivolve into the various ancients like that those decks don't exist in that form no ancient like red ancient otk does not exist without a gunimon i would say that because part of that whole stack is moving it out digivolving for three instead of digivolving for five uh although they did end up like bandai is also known for reprinting cards um whether the reprint is good or not is to be determined. Uh, both of those cards did have eroded texts, so they released a revisions pack in demo decks 
release those to stores to give to players for free. So like there was a way that players could get their hands on those cards relatively easily at that time period. But now that time period is gone. They're not doing that anymore. Um, now those cards are becoming harder to get again. I mean, from that same suite of promos, the um, the first Gatomon promo was a core p- part of the original Mastamon deck that allowed you to play a Digimon from your trash. And it this allowed you to play a Gatomon that was also a blocker and recovered you one from your trash just a huge tempo swing in a at a time period where recovering one and having a blocker was a huge swing in power level yeah and then we've seen uh sunarizamon um that promo was is probably still one of the best generic black cards that we currently have in the game just because of how good it is and how many decks it can interact with especially nowadays um and they did uh, redistribute the card as like another buy a box promotion thing. But again, the way that they went about redistributing the card was kind of poor to where it just made it still kind of hard to get, even though the card was getting reprinted. I think the stipulation was like stores had to repurchase stock and that repurchase is what allowed the distributors to give to be the OK to just hand those out to those stores who bought that um so my store didn't get any at all because they didn't resupply on digimon so i completely lost access to being able to re-get that promo yeah it i guess you know really looking at the the true competitive elements of these that's what took me uh like by surprise the most just the fact that this whole metal guru x deck wouldn't exist or be even remotely the deck that it is right now without either of the promos most notably the wear promo but the garurumon promo is and will continue to be as long as garurumons are printed a good four drop i mean even if you just look at right now in comparison to the other garurumons they all just suck like they all are just terrible. This one hard place, like the promo one hard place for four. And as long as you have Garurumons on top of him, he draws you cards. Like that's just straight up good. And it's not once per turn. So every single time you're going to be attacking, you're going to be drawing a card with this Garurumon. You look at the other ones and it's just like, wow, these are all terrible. The second best one is the BT5 one. Um, just giving a generic plus a thousand DP, which again is good. Um, but doesn't you it need also another card. The, it carries the same stipulation probably as the Greymon, where you can digivolve it for effectively one if it's digivolving from if a If it has a Guru... Yeah, it has that clause to it as well. And, like, that's probably set-wise, like, the strongest and easiest Garurumon to get. But, like, with the way Digimon decks are built, you still need a secondary one. And what's your secondary one going to be if that one's your main one? Mm-hmm. Like... It's definitely not going to be EX1 Garurumon. That card just sucks. Like, on attack, just play a uh, mat. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not running mats, that card, that ability is completely useless. Um, it's meant for the, the bond mat. Um, but, I know. anywho, yeah, just like... the uh, BT1 one is meant for BT1 Garou. So mm-hmm. if you're not playing BT1 Garou, then 
you're just not playing or metal guru you're just not playing bt1 guru like it it is just generically good at what it's doing and it's increasing the overall consistency of the deck that it goes in as well yeah i i'm lucky to enough to have copies of not play sets but copies of most of these if not all of these um i'm pretty sure i don't have copies of some of the uh first suite of black and purple tournament promos at least the ones i didn't buy i know i bought the devi and the demi devis um florida don devi deck i think in bt4 but as long as these exist their ability to become meta relevant and then randomly jack up the price of an otherwise cheap deck is just ridiculous yeah like we could go on and on with a whole bunch of different examples like and like i said bandai is prone to reprint cards heck we just got the wizardmon uh reprint uh the promo 77 wizardmon uh that's really good in beelzemon decks that's getting reprinted in uh the new beelzemon starter deck that's going to be coming out in march so like they do reprint some of these cards it's just sometimes the way to get them is easier than others and it's just whatever ease of access is up to bandai and that's kind of sad um i mean it's their game uh but it just makes it harder for players to be able to get specific cards that they need so like right now um the ghost game or not ghost games the digimon survive promos those are like almost still non-existent in North America. Um, so in competitive wise, those cards for the most part are basically banned because nobody has them, even though they're not like doing that much meta wise. If they did do something meta wise, then that just brings a like a red flag up like, hey, how are we going to get the, these promos? How are these promos going to be distributed to us? Even though they're already out on the market, they're not out available enough to be tournament legal yeah i mean um even as far as the a lot of the earlier promos that i that we've been gone over um they're now banned in japanese legal sets that aren't mainland japan because they're still playing with bt11 or i guess about to be bt11 decks but their access to these promos was so sparse because they were back when the Japan card or the card game premiered in Japan and its surrounding areas, but they don't have the supply of mainland Japan that they're, they're basically non-existent. And Bandai actually had to step out and say something about it and just blanket ban these so that, you know, th- something like that doesn't happen in the future with a card that is just almost impossible to get in some of these places. Like, and again, it goes down to the different distribution models. Japan has a completely different promo distribution model than us in English, um, just because they use uh, magazines to help distribute their promos and all that fun stuff that uh, we used to have, like with Shonen Jump, but that's not like as big of a thing nowadays as it was like 10 years ago. Uh, but Japan still does stuff like that, where it's just like, oh, here's just wacky reward um x way to get it and that's not necessarily uh easy for anywhere else to get it and that then causes a problem um and like this doesn't exclusively 
uh, go harking back to like uh, starter deck Greymon, it's not exclusively a problem to promos. It's just how certain cards are distributed in general. Um, and yes, even though Bandai is prone to reprint cards quite a lot to try to make easy access, again, if the distribution isn't good, then the reprint just doesn't matter. Um, so right now, the hot topic on one of the most popular and powerful cards is Death X. Well, Death X is a secret rare in a set, and secret rares are actually harder to get than people realize, and I think people are realizing that. Um, just because in a case setting, um, I know this because I open up lots of cases, you only get five secret rares. Um, like, on average, you get five of any one given secret rare if there are two secret rares in a set. So ideally, you're going to be walking away with 10 total secret rares. Um, again, perfect math, case ratio, whatever. Um, it's going to be five of one, five of the other. Four for your general playset, and then one alt art. That's not always going to be true. Take that with a grain of salt. Um, but that's generally, on average, how rare uh, secret rares actually are, especially the given one that you're looking for. Yeah, I know... You mentioning the starter deck Greymons, it was it's really the acquisition model that bothers me and is, is I guess the issue at hand because it forces players into annoying situations, less than ideal situations. So you mentioned the one piece demo deck cards, um, or the reprints, the errated cards in Digimon demo decks and it's just all these various acquisition sources that aren't opening packs of cards. Opening a box, opening packs, playing in events, getting packs as rewards, opening them and receiving cards that you can then use to fulfill your deck. Because the issue with the starter decks that I've, you know, it is is definitely weird from the outside in, especially because it is unique to Digimon, at least as far as... It, it didn't affect any other card games I'd played until Digimon. And, like I said, I bought two cop I bought two copies of every starter deck. I was fully aware that most of those cards were irrelevant. Most of those cards I could basically throw away. But, and most of those cards contained full playset in the first starter deck. They gave you two copies of certain cards, forcing you to buy two. So now I'm spending twice as much on two copies of a card just because it's the only way I can obtain it. Also creating a separate issue of now this brand new card game with these brand new starter decks. The starter decks are hard to obtain and are scalped because they contain mechanically unique cards that are incredibly high in value. Yep. Um, and again, this, uh, just goes to show that, like, I know Bandai is doing this just to try to, uh, not necessarily, like, squeeze money out of the players. Uh, like, there's purpose to them, but I think there's just too many ways and too many incentivization tools that sometimes it actually becomes a deterrent, especially since a lot of these are just a limited time. So, usually, you're going to want to try to reprint some of these cards, um, a lot to be able to make them in more uh, circulation. 
So we just saw with uh, Gilman, the Gilman promo. Oh, Gallantmon got support. He's used in um, some control decks as well as a good early game draw engine. His price went up. Um, then what did they do? Well, they already had planned uh, a theme around um, Gallantmon as a like set for a tournament set. So they reprinted the card as a tournament set. So if you're not entering those tournaments, well, you're still not getting the Gilmons, and that's part of the problem. So like is the reprint actually mattering based on how the card is being distributed and i i know i've gone back and back and back on that uh a couple of times but like acquisition is the key component to what makes or breaks a card uh like in its range and flexibility yeah i know that there are ways to make money don't include creating artificially scarce, artificially inflated values of cards. Bandai does not profit off of the secondary value of these cards. They only sell them at their you know initial entrance. So either never in the form of some of these promos, or through so like the Diaboramon promo as an example. It was just a tournament promo, so their profit was just inclusion in tournaments and then the reprint was also a tournament prizing implementation and but there you don't need to make these mechanically unique mechanically powerful cards only available through these means and i know it's something that the professor from Tulare community college said once when like with his piece on promos and card games and, and stuff like that and i i kind of just spelled it out really well for me and i've kind of held on to it but make the playable game pieces cheap easy to access and widely available just get it out there let people play the game because that's what's going to drive the value for the increased rarity special version snowflake versions of these cards your alt art champion stamped foil 2019 online regionals exclusive version of some card that someone else is going to pay 500 dollars for let that exist i don't really mind that at all because if that exists if that's the selling point if that's what's driving sales to bandai then the rest of the cards can be cheap because as Zenitsu and I found when we were going over various deck lists for our cost of competition episode, some of these decks, you know, have, if you remove like either a single play set of cards or just a couple copies of that card, you can cut the deck at half or more. And that's just a little ridiculous and unfortunate. And, like, Digimon's, like, booster boxes are designed to be super accessible. Like, we saw the huge amount of change in terms of, like, card value between 1.0 and 1.5. 1.5 uh, started the trends that we currently see now with how to make these cards as available and accessible to people. And, like, because of it, you see your average SR maybe capping out on the high end at, like, $10, $15, most of the time, they're usually hovering between that 2 to $3 range, unless they're like a really bad SR, and then it'll usually be sub a dollar. 
Um, and if that's going to be your core card uh, for a lot of decks or considered your core card, and that's your four copies, well, the rest of the deck really isn't going to be that much more expensive um, unless it's going to be like a more in-demand staple card, uh, which is an entirely different topic in of itself because there's just a lot of different uh, definitions to what a staple means in Digimon versus other card games. And it's not that they haven't done it wrong in the past either, because while some, like the playable cards are obviously expensive, the older the promo is, the more expensive it usually is as well, because either people, there weren't as many people playing to receive the promo, they printed them in lower uh, print runs, or even the people that did have them stopped playing, and now, like I know a good friend of mine, I've been asking him about his promo Patamon from the original 0.0 release because I don't have a playset of the original promo Patamon and he doesn't even remember where he put his Digimon cards at this point he's like I stopped playing over a year ago who cares and I'm like that card is worth money I don't actually I don't know if it's retained its value but at one point it was almost $50 I remember when uh, Pulsemon was a huge nope. thing like it's, that was it, that was another Pulsemon it's a lot cheaper now it's 250 I mean yes <laughs> uh I mean, but like Pulsemon, uh, back when it was like a hot card, um, even still was pretty hard for a lot of players to get because of how it was distributed. It was what originally a, um, uh, uh, God, not store championship, um, pre-release. Yes. It was a pre-release promo. Yep. Um, I remember arguing and then, with someone about that. Yeah. So you had to attend the pre-release in order to get that card and that card was borderline a staple uh mandatory for a lot of yellow decks just because of how much value that card offered a lot of yellow decks at that time um and then um the card's price went up and up and up and then bandai decided to host a tournament and offer that as an entry prize and yes it did help lower the price of the card um uh, but people still wanted it enough where it was still a very expensive card Right now, it's a little bit more tame in terms of pricing now compared to when it was when it was like more standard playable um, in quotation marks. But uh, it just goes to show that these promos are one of the more, if not the most value that's in the Digimon card game outside of alt arts and secret rares. Yeah, I guess small anecdote there, like... Um... I actually, that was yeah, like one of the two instances of of locals drama, um, was the Pulsemon promo fiasco because of how few slots were available for pre-releases and how quickly they sold out because Pulsemon was the promo, and then I remember hearing that one of the prominent members of our community who went to like every pre-release everywhere, um, was actually not going to play in some of them just show up receive the per like participation prizing and then forfeit after the first round and i was like that's you oh well, like you have to work that day so don't sign up for it you know because and it was right after um the people like uh auto forfeiting was prevalent in the online events too so bandai came out and changed their tournament ruling a little bit and just said you must play three rounds to receive promo and i i was like hey guy i'm gonna take this 
you know, statement to the store owner and show them that if you show up and drop, you know, right when the event starts, because you say you have work, like, you should technically not receive the promo pulse mod. And he's like, well, that's bullshit. Like, that card's going to be expensive. I'm like, I know. That's why I want to play in said event and the fact that you're participating in six or seven of them and I'm participating in two is the issue because they all sold out because of people like you. Yeah. Like, and not all of the promos that they make are going to be all of the time hyper-powerful. Like, we've seen some uh, promos like the Memorial promos where they're, like, borderline almost unplayable. I Although, think they all uh, should be that way. Ty growing up was the closest one to actually seeing any kind of play just because Red really lacked card draw that bad. Um, and I still don't think Ty growing up is, like, that bad of a card. It's just not needed anymore. Um, we have better ways right now to draw in red um, than Ty growing up, but that was actually a, a a card that people were thinking about because of what it does and what the color was lacking at the time. Um, but like, there's still just a lot of promos that like aren't super highly valuable. Um, and again, it just goes based on playability and distribution. Um, those are two huge factors to help determine a card's overall market value. Uh, how much is it played? What decks is it actually played in? And then how hard is it to obtain the card? Which is why secret rares and alt arts usually are pretty highly valuable because those are the harder cards to get when you're pulling booster boxes. Well, like, in regards to the value, it the playability of the card shouldn't matter initially like the, the point is that these are mechanically unique promos even if it's not worth anything now it doesn't mean that at some point in the future it won't be because we are in eternal format and these are mechanically unique cards so they shouldn't exist period i don't care how bad they are i know that certain cards have been incredibly valued or incredibly overvalued over time i know um it was a big uh, topic of debate at the time that the promo Palmon shot up to like $40 because of the Grand Kuwaga deck. Green OTK and BT4 was a huge meta presence supposedly and then it kind of didn't perform at all and the promo shot way down because it's it's not a good card. People didn't need it as much as they thought they did. But there are correct ways or more correct ways to distribute the promos. I know you meant like the campaign rares is a good idea put them in boxes allow you to get them in packs allow you to receive them for just getting any other card and or at least partially correct more correct than just having them being in a dash pack or something the memory boosts just due to their incredible staple at least bandai had the forethought to make them alt art box toppers so that the only people with access to memory boosts weren't people who bought out starter decks again uh i mean i kind of like how they did memory boosts where they did have that option and i think that they should reprint memory like the memory boosts more often so like um in a, like a starter deck uh like, I think that would be just a good, easy auto-include. Or, like, a supplementary product, that would be a nice, easy auto-include. Like, I think, like, there's ways to leverage the promos that you have to be good incentivization tools without them being, like, mandatory purchases. 
Yeah, and I mean, even just looking at prices now, it seems as though they did a pretty good job with the memory boosts, um, at least because they were included in starter decks, because all the base level memory boosts of each respective color is no more than 275 for red, $1.75 for blue, and the rest are all under a dollar. But the alt art versions, the red one's 16. So, you know, you, you pay more for that premium product, even though the alt art one is technically the only one obtainable if you only open boxes of cards. But at least they have alternative ways to be able to get it, is yeah. the whole crux of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like include versions that aren't unique to starter decks now i know this this like very far off we have we debate no no basically nothing of beelzemon deck is is announced as like an advanced deck like if they do want to print something more akin to the magic challenger decks where they try and take it, it's not really a starter deck it's more like a entry deck to the card game it's not learn the card game it's hey you can just buy this play and and out of the box it is at least functioning and you don't just get rolled by everybody that's something that might want to include memory boosts in the future yeah i think some of the cards uh that they did already announced for it because they announced that there was going to be nine um reprinted cards um one of them is starter deck Gilmon. If you're playing a Gallantmon deck, that card is borderline mandatory because like it's it's a good warp tool uh, in case you're falling behind to try to speed up the tempo and catch back up. Same thing with the starter deck uh, Vimon. Same thing. Uh, he's getting another altar again if you're playing that type of a deck. Um, then he's a really good card for it. Even just his inheritable or the other inheritable off of the Gilmon is just a really good generic inheritable um warp ability aside uh but they also have more on theme cards that they're reprinting like the big one is going to be the secret rare beelzemon um the secret rare beelzemon that card's going to go down in value because of how easy it is or how much more access people are going to have at that card and that's a secret rare um they're actually starting to reprint some secret rares so it does give me some hope that we'll have easier access at death x i don't know if that's going to be like an immediate thing or if it's going to be like oh way down the line he'll eventually just get a reprint in a product somewhere um but it does at least show hope that there is reprintability in secrets um considering well the starter deck is potentially going to have uh the beelzemon secret rare which is a really good card for any beelzemon deck um and that's what makes this like a more ideal product is like starter decks are good ways to put uh, cards in because like that's a that's a product a lot of people are going to buy. Um, I don't know if it's good for like more than just your two purchases. Uh, they're trying to do that with like some super special card uh, that is going to be like a harder to get card. Um, but I do like having these mandatory or like really in demand reprints in these starter decks and i think having them fit on theme or just being generically good reprints like what we're seeing with davis in the um next wave of starter decks for english uh which is ragnarlord and jessmon i think that's a really good spot to put those types of reprints well that's fine and all as long as they solve the problem of 
putting new mechanically unique cards in these starter decks so that people who want to buy them for their reprints can't because people who already have those cards just bought all, all the starter decks because now they need the new cards too. Uh, yes, but they also need to try to sell the starter decks, which is like the catch 22 of it. Um, so like, obviously it would be nice if they just didn't have mechanically unique cards in any other product, but like, that's just not how or businesses make them bad. operate. I, mean, I guess, you know, that I, is you something. don't need to make them bad. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. So magic as an example, they had, uh, like planeswalker decks, which were essentially starter decks for standard. You buy it, it's on theme with the Planeswalker cover card, and it was standard, legal, but borderline unplayable. Um, and then they had the Challenger then, decks. Then you, yeah, and then you have the Challenger decks, which is just all reprints of more in-demand standard cards. But like at the same time, they quickly realized, hey, one is a garbage product that's not selling at all, and one is a semi-okay product that is kind of selling. Uh, just because of, you know, the reprint value of it. Well, the the problem with the Challenger decks, you know, um, as an aside to that, because they did do away with the Challenger decks, I believe they're bringing them back again. But Yeah, they're still bringing them back they, and they, doing them. They did away with them because, unfortunately, the, you know, the bureaucracy of development in card games meant that by the time these cards came out, they would take a meta snapshot, and then nine months later or something like that, they would come out with that version of a challenger deck, you know, like, um, uh, the, the, it comes less, out too late. Yeah. It just comes out too late to where it's the, the decks. I mean, just, just think about doing that in Digimon. You want to do a Digimon, uh, idea. So you take six months ago, the, like the deck that won worlds and you make a, a first of all, a, it's no longer legal because the cards have been banned out of it. <laughs> Second of all, you make it so that, Nobody's playing uh, Gabu Bond in BT10, you know? Yeah, just the environment is different, which is why, like, I like the way they currently are doing starter decks, though. Like, okay, I get that we're, we could eventually run into the starter deck Greymon situation all over again. There is that very distinct starter possibility. Starter deck <laughs> Um... Yes, starter deck Beelzemon and starter deck Impmon. Um, but like, or I think um, because of the, the, staples, the state, um, what the hell? Like the, uh, the memory, uh, the floodgate from the Jessmon and Ragnarok decks. The yeah, Solarmon, Solarmon, all turns players can't reduce costs in red and or then, in black, and then Shikurimon. Yeah, yeah. Shikurimon. That's. I mean, those are going to be those extremely almost... relevant for BT10. And it's probably the yes. only reason people are going to want to buy the Ragnarok starter deck because it's hot garbage. Uh, I think it's like a good casual, like fun deck. Uh, I don't think it's like hot, hot garbage, borderline unplayable. We're not it here has some for cheekiness fun. We're here it. for winning. <laughs> I then then buy the Jessmon starter deck. You're closer to winning. You buy that. two of yes. both because you have to. <laughs> Well, you buy two of both because they're also selling two of the, them together. Um, but the funny thing is those versions um, of those starter decks for the big box stores, they will not have the Tamer reprints, which is like a huge big selling point to buying those starter decks. So like they're even fragmenting how they're selling starter decks. And it kind of just it, it boggles my mind because I want those 
promos, but I also like the alt art promos uh, that I don't really need, but I could have. Um, but and sleeves and other tchotchkes. But I also want the promos that are getting reprinted in the base version of the starter deck. Like it's it's weird, uh, which is why I have high hopes for the Beelzemon starter deck when we get it in March, because it kind of solves the problem of you can have your tchotchkes and good cards, too. Well, so I alluded to, I guess, our third major point. The one that we have yet to encroach, one that I've been meaning to bring up for maybe 10 minutes now. <laughs> but um, not only do these uh, affect the price of these decks competitively, which is annoying, not only are they hard to find, which somewhat affects the competitive integrity, annoyingly, but also it literally affects the meta itself. The fact that uh, Japan gets access to different promos and different starter decks at various times compared to us completely changes our meta in comparison to theirs uh yes we uh as of right now still don't know how we're getting the security promos and those promos are very good for um just the meta as a whole and the decks that they want to go into like the uh Beelzemon deck really wants that Intmon, not only because it's a good security effect of just bringing back a level three but because it's also an Intmon as another Intmon to play around with for your Beelzemons and that type of synergy. Uh, and so far, we're not going to have that in our BT-10, which is very, very scary because the way that they seem to be alluding to where we're going to be getting those cards is either in EX3, which means they might come a little bit too late, Um as like maybe an EX3 box topper. I don't know if we have that information yet or not. I didn't bother checking. I should have. Uh, shame on me. I don't believe or we have any they're... information on these security promos yet. Yeah, I, we don't. But I'm just speculating based on their trends and habits. They're either going to be a box topper for EX3 or most likely going to be a tournament pack akin to how we've been getting some other promos like the Ghost Games promos. Um I really hope it's not the tournament pack because uh, then the prices of these cards will be pretty high because tournament packs, um, they're either one of two things, either reprints or exclusive cards. And the exclusive cards usually are the hot ones and the reprints are usually the garbage ones. EX3 already has box toppers. Uh, do we know what the box toppers for EX3 for English are? No, but if they're the same as Japan, they're just... Uh, foil versions of things. I mean, we don't know if they're going to like have a secondary it's, box topper. It's like all cards uh, of certain cards. I okay, guess. but we don't know if they're if we're going to have like a well, we might know if they have a secondary box topper. That would be something more like uh, I don't know. Like we point is we don't know where these cards are going to be and they are meta impactful for the meta that they're designed in because some of these promos are very specifically designed for a particular deck and that deck sometimes has a shelf life that's for that set and maybe a couple of sets past it um but outside of that like you're not necessarily going to be looking to pick up the Dan Devi um Devimon that hey. interacts with it more specifically I bought that Although card if they when do it was make... expensive I know Although if they do make Dan Devi good and they make a new version, then that card might see more play. Um, but that's just an example. Like usually they're intended and designed for something specific. And 
if that's not currently what's hot, neither is that promo. Uh, we saw that with the Tyranomon promo. Um, that was just randomly inserted in a tournament pack as the only unique card in that pack. Did that card have to be in that tournament pack? No, they could have found somewhere else to put it, but they put it in there to try to add value to that tournament pack to incentivize people to play at locals. Um, right now, the tournament pack, what, tournament pack volume six is hot garbage. It's just all reprints of cards that just don't matter. I was really excited to get an alt art uh, Doru Greymon until they restricted it. I mean, yeah, like the alt artness, the alt art part is really nice uh, for like collectors and people who want to try to have um, special versions of like some of their playable cards. Because um, I think the Greymon is starter deck Greymon, which isn't uh, metal Greymon, which isn't bad. It's just not as good as some of the other metal gray mods yeah honestly just like like the meta playability part is really really kind of irks me the wrong way because while it it might not actually be super relevant in the form of the tyrannomon promo but these security rookies are played you know the security doramon was a staple of the Alphamon deck of BT9 and 10 of its meta. Uh, promo Pulsemon, the, the new green one, the security promo Pulsemon, is one of the better rookies that the Bloom Lord Hydramon decks plays. So if they don't get that, it'll be a de decent bit weaker. It's just one less security bomb, one less consistency tool. Even Grandis kind of wants the card just because yeah. Grandis doesn't really care about its low end uh, because its ex-antibody like, package is on its high end, so it has that space to be able to run a card like this. And that helps Grandis because now Grandis has a security bomb that the opponent actually has to think about. Yeah, it just that's what bothers me is the, the differences now because I know we got starting with that first suite of promos that I mentioned outside of the Pulsebond promo, um, the, I think I think the Pulsebond promo, actually, we did get earlier. We got Pulsebond promo early so that it we could play it in BT4, um, uh, War Greymon, Yellow War Greymon, when it was obviously all over the place in tournament lists in BT5, Lord Nightmon. But we knew that it was going to be a staple yellow card early, and Yellow War Greymon and Lord Nightmon did similar-ish things. And we we could just adapt that promo earlier. Uh, promo Palmon and Promo Grand Kuwagamon coming out at the same time were basically meant for each other, and just those two cards created a deck. And the fact that now we're missing promos that were included in lists means that we aren't playing... We're already playing a different game than they play, basically, because they play best of ones, we play best of threes. They care less about meta than we do. And yet, now we're just playing actually different metas because they have access to different cards than we do even I mean, if we're we've, considering the same set. I mean, we've had that before. So, like, we got the Gyoman, um, Gabumon, Kunamon, uh, 
like we we've had promos that they haven't had before but um it's definitely weird and it feels kind of awkward that now we're reaching a point where it's the reverse where we're getting promos late and usually again um when we do that it makes some of these promos less viable because now there's going to be less Alphamon players. So that means the Dorumon's not going to be as highly sought after, although it's still a pretty good card, don't get me wrong. Um, and so on and so forth. Like, um, the Huckmon is going to be absolutely a really good card in a Jessmon deck because, well, it's a Huckmon for it to use. And now um, the deck is going to be less consistent because it has one less Huckmon that it normally would have access to. So that's going to affect how the deck is going to be perceived and played because it's lacking that tool. Yeah. It's just this this whole mess of promos is it just could be avoided if they don't make mechanically unique promos that you can't get in main sets and it would be solved. You can I put... mean to be fair, other Japanese card games have done it before. Doesn't There's a lot right. of Japanese cards. No, it doesn't, <laughs> but like they do it as like a marketing ploy to try to incentivize extra sales or try to incentivize uh, participation, try to, you know, they use it to incentivize you to behave a particular way uh, based on where and what they're, where they're putting the promo and what the promo is. Yeah. And as I've said, I'm all for them making money or promoting something or incentivizing something. Give me a, uh... Give me a promo uh, Jellymon when I go to McDonald's and, you know, get a Happy Meal or something for a Digimon McDonald's crossover. Just don't give me a, a promo Jellymon that is mechanically unique and now I have to go order Happy Meals as an adult so I have a playset of a tournament playable card. I mean... Give me an altar of the already included in the set Jellymon at McDonald's so that... If I really want to stoop that low and not just buy it off TCG player from someone who did stoop that low, I have the opportunity to. I mean, like, they they could make distribution of these promos way worse. I know card games who have done it way worse and way more egregious. Yeah, than, but I'm not uh, sitting Digimon here playing game. those card games. And I'm not sitting there I know. advocating for the competitive integrity of those card games. But, like, the silver the silver lining is there's still decks that could be played without these promos. Like, the promos are nice, but not every deck needs to have these promos. Um, although some of these decks really do want Melga these promos. You play Melga X without the Garuru promos and then talk to me. I, oh, uh, well, I was going <laughs> to say, I do play it without the WearGuru promo uh, of Sagittarius mode. No, um, play the it without the ones that, that it already uses. Play, swap all your BT4 uh, or all of your promo gurus with the B, the EX one and swap all your wares with, I don't know, one of the other bad ones. Well, the funny thing is the other the the two other most playable wares is the Sagittarius promo ware. And I'm just like, Ugh. although it, the card's OK, it's not amazing. So go. like I swap did, I did come BT up with a one where when attacking, gain three memory, end of turn, lose three memory. Perfect for an OTK deck. I mean, you could use it and to it help make your DP. Digivolutions pay. I know. 
I think I think the EX one where is a little bit better than that. Um, but like you still can play these decks or at least some of them without these promos. It's just going to be harder and it makes the deck worse. Um, yes, but not all decks, like I said, need these promos in order to exist like Bloomlord. I think Bloomlord uses a total of none of these promos outside of green memory boost uses the rookie. We said that if if we have the rookie, which we currently don't. Yeah, I mean. That doesn't make it not wrong that it uses the rookie we don't have. <laughs> well, it doesn't even need like it can use it. It doesn't need it though. That's the that's the other difference. Like I would rather almost mm -hmm. have a vegetation rookie, just like a fairy slash vegetation rookie to fit on theme with how that deck is going to be played, versus like an off rookie. Even though there is space for it, um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be that card. It's not hugely dramatically changing how the deck is functioning as a whole on a fundamental level. You're still doing your basic combos. It's just now you have something that the opponent is going to have to think about because you have that security rookie. Uh, it's more of a mind game thing rather than like, does my deck function without this card? No, but does Deep Brigade function without Ultimate Flare? Yes. But it's there. It's something that they have to think about. Pulsemon turning off... Like, suspending an opponent's Digimon can, like, absolutely ruin a lot of decks' day. That shuts off D-Reaper, that shuts off, like, a couple things. Decks that, once suspended, cannot unsuspend without their attack unsuspending them. I mean, like, yeah, I get it, but, again, green doesn't really need the pulse spawn promo though in green order to function anything green's on fucking life support right now <laughs> like even well, grandis um... grandis is functioning perfectly fine without it it's still winning and topping events like it's it's not mandatory but the the promo kuagamon is kind of mandatory that 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 is no questions the deck does not function the same without it it's just functionally not as powerful of a deck I know you've already looked at it, but without looking, tell me how many green decks were in the top 16 of the San Diego regionals. Green decks? Two. Yeah. Two out of 16. Uh, they were both They were <laughs> both grandest decks. Gr yes. Green still on life support. Grandest not good enough. Uh, grandest actually does have a win, though. Under actually, I will say, while green is on life support, yellow is extinct. <laughs> Uh, yellow just evolved into security control, but yeah, I I understand what you mean though. So, uh, yeah, green needs everything it can get, and if it means the security rookie, it means a security rookie. Yeah, but uh, you don't need the security rookie to play a Bloom Lord. Is is what I'm trying to get at, and mm. like some of these decks, you don't need the promos to play them, like the security promo Blukamon even though right now we don't have it and it's a good card to go inside of um, Blue Flares, is Blue Flares perfectly playable without this card? Yes. Yes, it is. You also shouldn't need to have to make that decision, is I guess the, the crux of my argument. Is you should have access to the full suite of playable cards in the set at the same time. I mean, like I said, even the, the fact that we that Japan gets their starter decks like halvesies they have their pre-starter deck meta and post-starter deck meta is a little annoying as far as trying to sort out the 
uh, tournament results and stuff like that. No, I I get what you mean. Um, and I've already said that they could just do better promo distribution methods, but they don't want to, and they're not going to change for our sake. Um, just because, like, from a business perspective, it's currently working. Uh, this is going to be the second card game it's currently working for. One Piece will be the third it's currently working for. Um, so, like, I get it. And with that positive statement, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week with a comparison on the North American meta to the Japanese meta over time. And goodbye.